I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, October 1, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. A lot of stuff to go over tonight. There's a lot of situations on the board. We're going to talk about the whole kit and caboodle, the whole ball of wax. We're going to go through a litany of charts. We're going to look at some intraday activity because there's stuff to learn. We're going to look at the big picture. We're also going to dive into Repo Man. What's going on with the repo situation? Has anything changed? I have an interesting quote that I want to discuss for a moment. I think it paints a picture or really puts a box around the whole situation. Let's back up. We'll focus on the daily chart of the SPY for a second. And let's remember or let's hit the rewind button for a second. And if you go back to about two and a half, three weeks ago, we were looking for a top. Wasn't easy. The market doesn't necessarily make it easy all the time. In fact, it doesn't necessarily make it easy most of the time. Now, let's fast forward a little bit and we closed below Friday's low. If you rewind a day or so, in the last video we discussed closing below Friday's low is not a good thing for the bulls. It would be a good thing for the bears, not a positive thing for price in the northern direction. We closed below that low today. Now we can certainly get a little visit from the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew. But under normal garden variety market conditions, lower prices are expected sooner than later. Beneath price, we have the 100 period moving average right now coming in about 292 and a quarter, give or take. We also have another area, which is a gap at 290.74 beneath the 100 period moving average. And then we have 289.52, that's another number. And some of the questions that may come up as a result of that number is, where did that number come from? Well, here's what I will tell you. It comes from one of the lessons right out of the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. Does that mean that the market has to stop on that number on a dime? No, that's not what it is. What it is is another number where we would expect an assemblance of support. However, we always have to look a little bit deeper into the charts. What else is around that number? There's another gap right below that number. So the gap comes in at 288.89. So you can see between 288.89 and 289.52, and I'm not saying we get there tomorrow or the next day. I'm just saying if the market was down in that neck of the woods and we were trading beneath that gap at 290.74, the next area of logical and common sense support would be around 289.52 down to the gap that comes in at 288.89. There should be an assemblance of market support down in that neck of the woods. Maybe they come up short of that gap down there. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't come anywhere near here anytime soon. I'm just laying out the downside should we wake up to a big gap down tomorrow. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into the market, but I want to take a detour for a second, throw a little short hop, get the ball moving around the horn. Let's talk about Repo Man and see what we have on the docket. I'm trying to do some homework, 
And last night, I'm going through a variety of different articles, different writings about the repo, about the Fed, about the situation as far deep as I can dig. I'm trying to look where nobody else is looking. However, I look in both places. And I came up with something I thought was interesting. I'm just reading an article. I don't remember exactly where it was from. It was a reputable publisher. It wasn't some hocus pocus. Now, here's the quote. I'm going to read it and then we'll talk about it for a second. We are seeing that liquidity doesn't move around as easily in these situations, which means that if we want interest rates to stay kind of on their own in a narrow range, that we have to make sure we have that amount of reserves to support that, Williams said. Who's Williams? Apparently, He's the president of the New York Fed, and that was a piece of an article. It was a quote in a larger article about the repo situation. But here's the thing. So I read that, and I kind of did a double take. He's saying, we want the markets to stay on their own in a narrow range, but we have to have an amount of reserve to support or intervene in the market so they can trade on their own. It's contradictory in and of itself. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there would say, well, what it really means is, I don't care what it really means to the individual, I'm just reading what it says. It's not a big deal one way or the other, it's not malicious, it's not intended to call anybody out. My point is, what I think is happening, and this is coming from not just that excerpt, but other things that I'm reading, other things that I am consuming as a trader, as an investor, as an interested party, as a citizen, the whole nine yards. I want to know what's going on. And the only thing I can come up with is they're trying to explain it away. Nobody really has an explanation for what's going on and why we're running these massive repos. What's a repo one more time? Real quick, it's essentially a repurchase agreement traditionally for overnight securities in exchange for cash from the bank to the Fed. But however, this time they've extended the duration to some other length. I'm not sure exactly how long, whatever they've said. I'm sure there's other stuff mixed in there. So I don't really care what they said. All I know is it's not just overnight money. It's not just securities. They're trying to plug a hole and they're trying to explain it away. It's interesting. Nothing's changed, but I thought I would bring it back up. It's interesting. It has something to do with today's market, whether you want to believe it or not. So how do I know that? Well, let's dig deeper. Let's peel back the onion even farther. We're going to jump around a little bit tonight. There's another short hop for you. We're running right over to the XLF, but there's a method to the madness. Stay with me. It ties back into repos ties back into the market. We're going back to the market in a moment. We have to tie this all together. It's a storyboard. The financials had a healthy down day today, down 2%, but that's not really the story. We'll talk about the financials while we're here. You can see we cut through this gap here and we're reaching or almost have reached the 100 period moving average. Then we will reach this window of the gap that comes before filling of the next gap and the next gap in the next area, and so on. We don't know that it's going down there anytime soon. I'm just laying out the downside just in case we get a Lollapalooza at the open. 
We've talked about it before. We know we're going to get one. We just don't know when it's coming, what day, how much of a Lollapalooza, how many points down, what's the gap, does it recover, does it keep going, is it down for four or five days in a row, is it a one or two day event, but we know those things are coming, they happened before, they're always going to happen again. I don't necessarily consider today's stock market activity one of those days. It was too slow. We'll get back to that in a moment. But the financials were certainly leading things on the downside, as other markets were. So the S&P 500 was down about one and a quarter point today. The financials, in terms of the XLF, was down 2%. So certainly you could say that if you believe the financials at any stage is a market-leading indicator, they were certainly leading in the southern direction. But that's not where the action was. Here's where the action was. Let's go over to the broker-dealer index, Go to the daily chart, and we see the broker-dealers were down over $15 today, almost 6%. Again, had to do a double-take early in the day, and I really did. I looked over at the broker-dealers, and I literally looked away and immediately looked back and said, what the heck is that? Now, you have to start with some logic, some common sense. You peel back the onion, and then you see what you have. So before anything rash, 15 bucks, 5 or 6%, that's strange. Look at that chart. What's going on? Something is broken. But then you have to realize that some of the things that got thrown out with the bathwater today were the brokers, meaning the online brokers, the E-Trade, Ameritrade, Schwab. One of them came out with commission-free trades, and I guess the philosophy or the theory is the others are going to have to follow suit to stay competitive It's not how they make the sum total of all their income, but it's certainly a chunk of their income. I don't know the strategy. I don't care about the strategy. I care what's going on in the charts and how we can use that information to our advantage to do what? To make money. So let's go back to the broker-dealers and let's try and figure out what's going on. Was the thrashing by Ameritrade, E-Trade, and Charles Schwab... Was that complete justification for the index being down 5 or 6% today? And so what you have to do, go over to the index and you have to look inside. You got to open the door and you got to see who's home. You think I did that? You better believe I did that. By the looks of the index, you would think that it was certainly top heavy to those online brokers giving away free commissions that we just mentioned. But guess what? It's not. What's the top holding in the broker-dealer index? Happens to be CME Group. CME Group accounts for almost 20% of the entire index. It was down a buck today, one half of 1%. So that can't be part of the equation. Let's move along. How about the second heaviest weighted stock in the index happens to be Goldman Sachs. Okay, so Goldman Sachs was down four and a half bucks today, got hit pretty hard. About the same as the XLF, though, about 2%. Nowhere near the XBD of $15 or 6%. So we still don't know what's going on, but we continue to look. Goldman Sachs accounts for about 17% of the index. Who's next in line? How about Morgan Stanley? Coming in just under 10%. Morgan Stanley got hit today for about 3%. Again, worse than the XLF, but nowhere near the XBD. So it's the third in line in terms of the heaviest weighted stock in the XBD, yet it was only down 3%. 
Now, in three stocks, we've almost looked at 50% of the index, and we still haven't found the suspect or reason or the evidence the XBD was down as much as it was. But we'll look farther. 5% of the index, market access holdings, down less than 1%, two and a half bucks on a $325 stock. This isn't the reason. Next in line, just under 5%, CBOE, up one half or six tenths of 1% today. So this isn't the culprit. You're starting to get the point. We're going to stop looking. We've already looked at well over 50% of the index, and I have news for you. We're not going to find it. We're not going to find the reason the XBD was down 6%. We're not going to find the reason inside of this index. And what I was looking at was the stocks that are held inside the ETF that tracks the XBD. And that ETF happens to be IAI, or the iShares U.S. Broker Dealers Securities Exchange ETF. That's a mouthful. So we come back to the broker-dealer index on the daily chart, and we have to think to ourselves, could it be anything other than Repo Man? There could be a completely legitimate explanation. Happy to hear it. Couldn't find it for myself this afternoon. Maybe just overlooked it. But until and unless I find a legitimate reason that explains an anomaly, we have to look at this completely cross-eyed. There's a problem until and unless there's a full and complete explanation why this thing just collapsed today. Doesn't mean we can extrapolate anything directly from this information, but this is a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Another short hop, we're going right back to the SPY, but we're going to the 240-minute chart. So I want to give you an example of what I'm seeing. We get the look of the market, and while it's a different chart than the daily chart, the look is slightly different. You can see the market symmetry in action. You could see it on the daily chart too, but you also see it on this chart. This is something that's taught in detail in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. Market symmetry is wonderful because it helps us exit or take profits along the way when we know a symmetrical move is in process. Was 297 important? Yes, it was. How do we know that? Because we talked about it every single day that the market traded in and around 297. Once it gave up the ghost, that was it. That was all she wrote. How about the hourly chart? Anything stand out on the hourly? Can we get any information that can help us understand the short-term trend of the market? And the answer is, yes, we can. The hourly chart trend is down. We're below all the moving averages. That, by definition, is a downtrend. Anything else we can learn from this chart? Well, here we have a breakup candle. We have a breakup candle low. Once you got below there and closed below there, again, that's negative for the market. That means more southern prices ahead. We're using the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, when that happens, this will happen. When you close below a breakup candle low, you'll get lower prices next, not higher prices next. 80% of the time, that works out. So it's the 80-20 rule. 20% of the time, you're going to get a pie in the face, but that's just the way the market works. We're in the risk business. We're able to put on risk where it makes sense. Where does it make sense? It makes sense when you put together all the things that you learn in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. The more things you can stack together, what do you get? You get a full stack. Is that a full stack of software tools or is that a full stack of buttermilk pancakes? Either way, 
The more items you have in your back pocket that all point to the same thing, the better pull you're going to have on that 80-20 rule. How about the 15-minute chart? Just looking at a smaller time frame, an intraday chart, here's what you can see. The double bottom. So this is natural garden variety market behavior. You get at or near or spike through the double bottom and you're going to find the dumpster divers. You're going to find the buy the dip crowd. You're also going to find the sell the break crowd that generally gets whipsawed in the other direction. That didn't really happen today because you never got through the old low earlier in the day. It was only later in the day. But had this one spiked through a little bit, you would have gotten traders selling the break and then they generally get whipsawed with short covering, panic buying. There's liquidity down here and the institutions are going to drive price there to pick them up on the buy side from who? From Trader Joe at home, who for some reason is selling the break of the old low. The 80-20 rule does apply when you sell the break, only it's in reverse. It works about 20% of the time. What's going on in Camp IWM? The Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew, also known as Trick and Company, were out in full force this morning. They were trying to rally the IWM. In fact, they were rallying the IWM, trying to give the impression that the IWM was going to lead us to higher prices. Well, guess what? We knew the numbers on the other side. We had the numbers in the ES. We have the numbers in the SPY. Inside the numbers members have the important numbers. So we weren't fooled, but we had to take notice of what was going on in the IWM. But look what happened when they gave up the ghost. Once we got below those moving averages, you saw an acceleration to the downside. Now, still yet today, we didn't have extremely heavy, heavy trading selling pressure type of selling. But you had perpetual selling all day long. That in and of itself is telling you that there were just a lack of buyers out there. There's no buying interest. Are the buyers going to mysteriously show up on Wednesday morning? Well, it's possible, but it's not probable. They may show up, but they may show up at lower prices. By the way, in terms of the trend line that we've been following for a long time, can we all agree now that that trend line or some rendition within a reasonable period of pennies of that trend line, can we all agree that that was important? You break out above it, you come down, you almost test the top, maybe the trend line is off by seven cents, maybe you tested the top, then you break below it and you rally back to where? Right underneath the trend line and what happens? The market is rejected and look where we are just a few days later. That trend line was important. Again, not my trend line, it's the market's trend line. We're just following the rules. We're following instructions that the market is providing. The market said, here's a trend line. Why? Because here are pivot highs, for example. And if you connect the pivot highs, this is what happens. The market tends to follow this trend line. So what do we do? We draw the trend line that the market told us to draw. And this is the result. Nothing more, nothing less. How about the transports? So this is interesting. We can certainly learn something. We have a takeaway from the transports. Now, we had some conflicting information over the last couple of days. We were into moving averages, yet we were also making a bear flag pattern. And when we have conflicting information like that, there's not a lot you can do with it. It's not a good enough setup 
in order to say, well, there's really only one thing left. There's only one thing they're going to do, and really only less than 20% of the time would they do something else. We didn't have that type of arrangement in the transports. However, we had the type of arrangement that we would have had had the moving averages not been there. Look at the decline. Look at the symmetry here. It's not even done yet. However, we have to note that we filled this gap here, and that's where the transports found intraday support. That's normal garden variety market behavior. You could find support there for a few days. You could find support there for a few hours. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. What you do know is that the likely scenario is that the transports are going to follow the major market in large part. So for example, if we're getting a big snapback rally in the SPY tomorrow, transports are likely going to be up. If we're getting a big decline or a big gap down, transports are likely going to be down. That's just the way it works. How about the Qs, the folks out in Silicon Valley? Same deal. Another trend line. We're below the trend line. So that's interesting. There's also another line at the bottom of the screen. It's kind of one of those Houdini sleight of hand things. That's not really where the line is. Let me show it to you. All I was doing was playing around with different angles of the trend line of the same trend line on the weekly chart. So we can actually take one of these off and we can manipulate or adjust the other if we want to. But you get the point. If you connect the correct pivot lows, you should be in the neighborhood of where this trend line is now and the fact that the Qs are below the trend line on the chart. Doesn't mean they can't pop back up. However, if you give away, if you give up the ghost below that 100-day moving average that we've basically been riding in what? A bear flag pattern? It's not really a flag pattern. It's kind of a leaking market. It's a creeping market. It's creeping lower. It's edging lower. It's working its way lower. However, just for the purposes of this conversation, don't tell anybody I told you this, we'll call it a bear flag pattern for the time being, and if in fact we get below that 100 period moving average, you're going to come down all the way to 182, 182 and a half, maybe 183, something in that camp. That's a long way down from where price closed on Tuesday. Yet, on the other hand, if we're going to get a real correction, it's really a chip shot when you start looking at the longer term charts when you start looking at a weekly chart and you say well if this breaks and we actually come down why can't we test the low down at 170 and the answer is we can we don't have to get to 170 maybe we go to 175 maybe it goes lower we'll see one step at a time we're not going to say what the downside target is just yet until we see certain levels broken on the market if certain levels are broken and closed below on daily charts, on weekly charts, it tells us a lot. It helps us with the storyboard. I don't have a complete storyboard today. I have an idea in my mind of what I want the storyboard to be, but the storyboard isn't complete. How about the SMH? This is the proxy or the ETF for the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. Same routine as the IWM this morning. They tried to trick trap and fool you. They rallied the SMH up and then they killed it. They had a reversal, an intraday reversal. Let's go down and take a look at a couple of the intraday charts. Here it was. First candle of the day. This is the first hour of the day closing at 10.30 a.m. So it was a gap and go. Look where price was early in the day. It was a gap and go. We were all the way up at a high of 121.32. Look where we were at low today. 
117.86. That's a big intraday swing. That's a reversal. They filled a gap, and that was it. They fell away. They gave up the ghost, never to be heard from again. Looking at a 15-minute chart, here's one of the ways you know they mean business. So here's another gap, and under normal garden variety market conditions, from an intraday perspective, and you did get a bounce here, but you didn't get a tremendous rally from this area. Look at this area. It's a gap. It's a big, long consolidation area. Not long in terms of days or anything, but we're on a 15-minute chart. So you can say that for a period of time, we should have gotten normal garden variety chart support because why? Because the market loves to come back and test what? Former breakout and former breakdown areas. Was that a breakout area? Yes, it was. However, they got a bounce off that area for about 15 or 20 minutes and then turned around in the other direction. Maybe it was a 30-minute bounce. The point was, when they went lower and just ignored that area, that's when you know they mean business. Now, inside the numbers, members knew they meant business early in the day. We had the important number. Below the important number, that's all she wrote, period, full stop. We haven't reached target yet. We could have reached target today, but we'll likely reach it over the next day or so. Just real quick, flipping over to inside the numbers, just to give you a little flavor, take a snapshot, 10.30 a.m., we're talking about the IWM, we're talking about the important numbers, we're talking about the SMH, we're watching everything, we're looking around the horn. We've identified 2970. We know about the number. We know why it's important. The SPY, it was 296. A couple of more pieces of information along the way. You take it in pieces intraday. So we're identifying at 1155 where the low was from Friday. Why do we need to know that? Because we need to know if the market is slicing through that area like a hot knife through butter or is that area... Being supportive of the market. Are the bulls fighting the bears in that area? So we want to know all the important numbers on the way down. Why is that? Profit targets along the way. Intraday traders. Scalp traders. There's a variety of different reasons. We've got something for everyone. There's your numbers. ES, SPY, crude oil. You can check those yourself. See if they're any good. See what the market did in and around those numbers. We don't have to go over it here. I don't need any sleight of hand stuff. Go check it out on your own. See if the numbers are any good. See if you think you can get any value from inside the numbers. Are traders making money from inside the numbers from the lazy e-mini trader course? You better believe it. Here's Josh who took the IWM out behind the woodshed for uber profits today. Fantastic. These come in all day, every day. It's the reward. If you work hard... Make an effort to learn the stuff over time. You have no choice but to get good at it if you keep repeating the correct thing over and over and over again. We discard the incorrect things and we repeat the correct things. And with that, folks, I'm going to pull the ripcord here. It's the perfect time. It's the perfect place. I'm out of wind. And I want to thank each and every one of you very, very much. I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.
My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.